0: So here we go. My name is Ray Binkowski. This is Small Business to Grow. Today, I have the one and only Thomas Plummer. And Tom, how would you describe yourself to people that don't know you?
1: Uh, I've been irritating small business owners for about four decades now. (laughs) Uh, Trying to figure out how to make them better, how to save them in tough times, how to drive them forward. Um, I'm that small business specialist that just happened to make a living at it for a long, long time. So, how do you what what was your path to arriving at what I would call expert at small business? Um, I'm like uh, like some, most small business owners, and a lot like you and your journey is when you don't, you don't, you're missing information you have to know. So I was thrown early into a job way over my head. Uh, I was supposed to go out and and work with all these at this time. Uh, strangely, it was a martial arts organization that had 90 commercial health clubs in part of it. So they had about 300 karate schools and 90 health clubs. I was 25 years old, maybe. And they go, oh, by the way, you're going to go help all these guys open le- you know, leases, new space and teach a business and how to raise money. And I'm like, I don't know any of that. You know, I'm a sales dude. <laughs> and uh, so I had to sit down and go, what do I need to learn to be successful? And so I needed to work with an architect. So I did a free intern, free on my part, uh, intern for about 12 weeks with a guy I respected who drugged me to projects and showed me lighting systems and space stuff. Uh, I needed to work with a lease. So I set into a long, uh, a very, very intense lease program in uh, San Francisco. So I needed to learn leasing from a guy. So who knows better than the guy that rented the Transamerica Tower in San Francisco. You know, so I just begged my way into one of this stuff because I wasn't a real estate guy. And uh, so he let me graciously let me sit in. And so it's like all small business guys. If that's the thing, if I'm talking to a bunch of small business guys, it's like, you don't have to know everything, but you have to ask the right questions so you can find out because that's how you save your business. And you and I the discussions we have, it's the same thing. It's just like, what do we need to give our guys to make them successful as our clients? It's what they don't know, but they need to ask the questions. So we, don't, we need to know what they don't know so we can actually help them a little more.
0: So for that small business owner that is similar to you maybe four decades back, today the, the rules or the path to arriving at expert is the same. It's, it's get out there, ask questions, and then be willing to, as you said, volunteer as almost an intern, an unpaid intern, just to learn that aspect you don't know of business
1: the businesses it's it's changed so radically in four decades uh my brother and i were laughing you know I'm, I'm a guy of a certain age now but we grew up there were little neighborhood grocery stores where like some guy would own this little god it couldn't even have been two thousand square foot little store and he'd have veggies and canned goods and a little meat section in the back and but, you no, know, you walk three blocks over and there's another guy. I mean, those guys are gone. But it was simple in those days, simpler because you it was him running the whole store, stocking his own shelf. Maybe his kids helped. You know, he had a cash register <laughs> and wrote honest-to-God checks. And if you get into business now, it, it is exponentially harder than it was because it takes so many skill sets to be better now. So when people get into this, the, the mistakes small business guys make is they think they need to know everything themselves, and they don't. Jack Welch, uh, one of the greatest business geniuses of the late last century for, in this country, uh, one of the classic quotes is, he I, I don't know the answers. He says, and nobody knows all the answers. He says, but I know the right questions, and I surround myself with people that have the answers that I need. And so, when you're a small business like marketing, I mean, my God, how would you market a typical startup these days? Uh, how would you everything from a little retail shop to a new chiropractic business to a medical-based business? You know, you're marketing these. It's it's hard. I mean, you've got to be a master of social media. You've got to have a strong web presence. You have to have the ability to turn out daily content to feed people back to you because we just can't run a newspaper ad. We can't do a direct mail like we did not even too many years ago. And then you get into accounting, the tax ramifications, you throw in a virus. Small business is the the most important thing for them is to reach out and say, look, I've got this business. What do I need to be successful? And who has the information that I need? They have to be willing to ask people like you, like me for help. And most of them don't. They'd rather go down based on ego. You know, I, I know everything. They'd rather fail than admit that they don't have the answers. But Jack Welp says you don't need the answers. You need the questions. Why is my business not performing? What do I need to learn? I don't know marketing. I need to learn marketing. What's my questions? How do I market this business in this in this community? How do I get a presence here? How do I manage my money? How do I hire, fire, train, motivate employees. All those things can be skill sets that are learned and people have the information if the guy's willing to reach out and grasp that information.
0: And, and we see that time and time again with clients is there, there's huge upside and potential at very little cost with, with just simply asking a question. Like one of the things that I, I tell clients is and we worked on some social media content about this subject today, which is this, everybody goes to lunch, like this is an almost, I don't know how many sales books, marketing books. So pick up the phone, get on the internet, go on social media and reach out and contact that person that you want to learn from and invite them to lunch, take them to their restaurant, pick them up at their office if they want you to, and then cover the bill. I mean, I I attended a, a conference on doing business in Southeast Asia 15, 20 years ago, and within two days of the contest, or within days of the webinar, seminar, or seminar uh, conference, I had lunch with two of the three keynote speakers. And a few weeks after that, I was in Asia, starting business. So sometimes you have to ask. So you're you're kind of echoing what we see and in, in what other people we've done uh, webcasts and podcasts with that are CEOs and executives. They say you got to ask, and you also need to delegate. And you can't try and do everything.
1: No, that's the—that's kind of the pitfall. Of small business is you—you you think you have to know everything, and you try to manage everything, and you try to do everything based on what you know. But what got you here may not be enough. You know that old saying: "What made you good is probably not enough to make you great." At some point, you—you you outrun your own skill set. Everybody gets to the point where. You just can't know everything today that you need to be that person. So you kinda uh, you your skill set takes you here, but most people won't let go. Okay, okay, it got me here. I need to increase my skill set or get people that have a better skill set to go forward. The the, the beautiful thing about you, know, you and I and being a small business coaches, the rules are the same across the board. Small business is small business. Um Last week, I worked with two strange calls, um, a gym owner, small guy called, but he's got a small guy, but a really good business. It's really growing. And we were talking about, okay, he's having a flat month. And I, and I, I asked him uh, the simplest questions. I said, how much time did you spend yesterday chasing new clients? And he goes, I said, how many, you know, silence, dead silence, crickets. So I'm like, how much time did you spend yesterday? He goes, well, I was coaching and all of a sudden, here's this whole litany of things he was doing and he didn't spend. So my my cure for him is spend an hour a day doing nothing but chasing leads for your client. So he did this three days and got two new clients. I'm like, duh. And then uh, I was working, somebody uh, it was a referral from a friend and somebody goes, you work with beer guys. And I'm like, what do you mean a beer guy? This guy's got a little brewery. I live in Asheville now. We're the king of breweries here. And, uh, but this guy was in Florida. He's got a little bit of a brewery, a little bit of a wine shop, gourmet food. It's, it's a really cool business. And so he said, "Will you take a call with the guy. And yeah, I'm talking to the guy. And I said, so what's your problem? He says, you know, it's our, we're up and down. We just have this, business and it goes and then all of a sudden it dies for three weeks and it goes and i go who's doing your marketing and he goes my girlfriend and i go what's her marketing skill and he goes she's my girlfriend and I, go, <laughs> I go i saw so a laugh and i go yeah, man I, I i i can't really charge you for this call because i'm you're not going to like anything i tell you this you don't have the expertise in place to grow your business because you have somebody you hired out of emotion, not because of efficiency or productivity. And I'm looking at this going, this, this has got to be one of the most common themes in small businesses. We, we know how to be busy, but we don't know how to be productive and efficient when we need to be. And that comes back to what do I need to be productive today? Do I have the tools? If I don't have the tools, who has the expertise that can take me to that level? You know, it's any, and I say this across the board after so many years, any small business can be fixed. It's the owners that are so damn messed up because they, most of the time they refuse to change. You can fix the business. If I could grab the owner, rip him out of the business, set them over here, fix the business, grab them, put them back in, but you have to fix it with him in place. And if he doesn't want to be fixed, no matter what happens, it doesn't work. Um, I, was, I was doing an interview uh, uh, just yesterday with a guy I named, uh, uh, most of the guys in your small business role will know his name's Pat Rigsby. He's been around for years and years in the fitness industry, kind of a, a, a guru in that stage. He's got a huge following, and uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm, I'm talking to the guy and we're talking about productivity and problems with owners and all this stuff. And he goes, he says one of the hardest things that he's ever had to deal with, that there's just some people that no matter what you do, won't change. They'd rather write it down than face to the fact that it's not working. The ego just refuses to let them change, even though the business could be fixed they just won't let go and reach for that next level because it, it, and then they, and we were both laughing because they get mad and then blame the consultant. It's like, we told you how to fix it, but you didn't want to do the work. Well, I paid you. It should have changed my world. It doesn't change your world because you paid us. It changes the world because we give you information that allows you to change your business and push it in the right direction. Very frustrating. It's like, yeah, we were screwed And I think on the
0: there's two who, huge things there. One is the confusion of being busy with productive. And productive in small business equals profitable, especially this last year with the virus, people working from home. There's a lot of businesses that have encouraged employees to be visible, to be present online. Uh, All of these things that equate to busy and very few of them driving the bottom line because there's such a divide between busy and productive that there's a lot I've, I've consulted with managers, executives that are saying, well, we've got everybody at home and, and, uh, they're, they're doing a good job being visible. I'm like, well, you don't sell visible. You're not making money off visible. Like what, what metrics do you have in place that quantify the time they're being visible with productive and then profitability for the organization uh, so I, I find that interesting and I, and I agree. There's a lot of small business owners that are, are so busy being busy. They never work on the business.
1: But well, you said something there very good kind of shows your experience dealing with these guys, but it's, you get to that when, when I'm working with a guy and it's just, uh, I was working with a software company, uh, last week and this, you know, where he's got like, he's getting, he's getting some nice sales. He's adding two or three new, uh, clients and they're all on residual they pay him monthly money and it's 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 a good business he's getting two or three a week and he's talking about you know well it's not you know this and i want to you know grow and i said well tell me what it looks like when it's productive what number do you want and he goes well i'd like to add 40 new clients a month I, i said where'd you get that number and he just starts slapping. So well, I just made it up now. Just that sounds like a number that would really. So there is, I think one of the biggest problems of small business, when you mention the word metrics is they don't know what they're trying to get done. Yes. They're uh, there. The, uh, if, if I could, if we only had one minute in this interview and I could teach them one thing, it is always start with the expected outcome and work backwards, and when guys write business plans, it's always a linear progression going forward, but they don't know really it just, I, I need sales. I look at this, they need to start here. What's this business? If I modeled it out and 12 months down the line, 18 months and two years down the line, what does this business look like when it's successful? And then what do I need now and put in place to get from here to here? So I think the, if, I, if, one, if there was one tip and just one short just burst, it's most owners fail in small business because they really don't know what they're trying to accomplish. They don't know how many sales are good. They don't know the profitability of that sale. They don't know what they're chasing. Therefore, they they if I'm chasing X number of clients, then I have to spend X number of dollars on marketing because there's a relationship between what you spend and what you generate. Once we get that number, then we know if we spend more, we should get more. But they don't know. So the expected outcome, that metric you mentioned is very powerful, Ray, very powerful and, that people just don't know what they're chasing.
0: And, and I've had this conversation with clients in a, a handful of industries, and, and I say it is and I stole this and I don't remember whose book it was that I read along the, the way, but start with the end in mind. And then, so I say, start with the end in mind and then you need to have an exit strategy. And even if you don't execute that exit strategy, you, you know, where do you want to go? And you, you have an idea of how you get out. And, and at some point, probably 90% of the small business owners are going to want to get out and You know, I had my last brick and mortar. I had an exit strategy in the back of my mind for probably 10 years. And I ended up not executing it, but I always had that strategy. and Though I didn't take that strategy as, you know, I didn't open that door and walk out and exit. That set me up with the thinking that I ended up using to exit stage left and I still got out of the brick and mortar and out of the business. But that outcome is huge. And then with that outcome, knowing what you want to accomplish, starting to understand what are your key metrics? Like, which, what are the numbers you should be looking at? And I see a lot of small businesses. I don't know if you see this, but I see a lot of businesses aren't paying attention to any of the numbers.
1: Uh, they... they- they, they generate numbers. Accountants are good at generating an immense amount of numbers, but the numbers have to be a relationship to the business plan on what I'm trying to generate. So accountants record what happened. They're not very good at predicting what will happen because they're not in our business. They will build a performa, but it's not what they need to do. And it's, it's, it's really weird to how, how that, that, concept will transfer Um, last, well, i taking it back two years ago, pre-virus in the same week, which was hilarious because I, I I remember, because I stopped to see my brother on the way home. So I'm on the West coast consulting for a division of Titleist doing a whiteboard session with the, the, the president of that division and all this. And uh, we're doing this and trying to lay out a, five year plan on what what is this company now where is it going what's the expectations one of the classic whiteboards where you come in and you take their cell phones put them in a plastic bag lock them down for the day you just nobody just just make them bleed you know you're just in that room trying to conceptualize what this business has to do and i stop on the way home, see my brother, my nephew's 30-some years old, wants to start a new car detailing business. I end up having the same talk with him <laughs> over a couple of cheap beers that I did with the tireless guys. I'm laughing my ass off because I'm asking the same questions like, OK, what's this business look like when it's done? How do we, you know, that backward filling filling it backwards is a very strange business concept, but it's probably the ultimate business concept. So I'm talking to my nephew and he goes, I said, how much you need? He said, I can buy all the equipment for 30 grand, including the little trailer and everything. I said, so how are you going to pay that back? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you want 30 grand. And he says, well, I want you to give me 30 grand. I said, "Uh, what's in it for me? And we went into debt service. We went into profitability, what this looks like. If you build it up, can you sell it to somebody, employees and, so we ended up, I didn't have a whiteboard, but I had all kinds of legal pads, stuff stuck all over the my brother's wall in his house. And we just, in the kitchen, I got stuff stuck into the wallpaper. We're laughing our ass off trying to scope this kid out, trying to get him to think of business. But I'm like, I got the same wall going here because it's the same problem you're trying to solve. It, you you got to go forward to go backwards. If I start here and go backwards, and then metrics tell it. So when your point is when... You know, I can get the numbers, but the numbers have to only the only numbers I need to see is what numbers support this journey from here back to here, back to here. So what are the key indicators, performance indicators that drive this business? Um, It's going to be return per client. It's going to be cost per client it's going to be effectiveness of this, you know, when can I afford this type of person, how are we going to capitalize it? The same questions you got, the small guy's got to ask himself. And when he starts that small business locally, I mean, you you look at a small retail shop in somewhere in Northern Illinois, and a guy gets in there, this is his dream, he's going to open uh, one of the hottest business last couple years have been these little uh, kind of boutique pet stores. They're really kind of cool. They all have cute names and you walk in and um, there's one here in Nashville, we take our dogs and they, they always give them little, you, you walk in with your you know dogs or this like dog heaven, and they give them snacks and come and play with them, and you're like, oh, this is really cool. So every time I go in it costs me a hundred bucks on something I'm spending in there. But you, when you you built that business, you you start with that expectation. That person had a dream. They're risking everything in their life to open this business. And so many times they don't know what this business is going to mean in their life. They don't know how to solve their problems. They don't know how to work backwards, forward. They open it always going forward, just thinking it's going to grow and I'm going to be rich and make so much money. Instead of starting with a model and a vision and then backfilling to make that vision work. Um, and they it's, never it's, they it's never hard.
0: define what that how much how much money is that that they're going to make, and then how are they going to make the money. So using your Asheville pet store, how many Toms need to come in with their dog? If Tom's worth a hundred bucks, is that our average ticket, our average sale for every person that comes in with their dogs? If it is, and we want to make a thousand dollars, well, I need 10 Toms to walk in. And then every time I get 10 Toms, I make a thousand. And if my goal then at the end of the month is 10,000, I do that 10 times. And then we just keep working backwards and And I agree, a lot of of times businesses, they start with that passionate idea that they've always wanted to do. They saved up some money from their career or or what maybe they inherit money. And then they get started and they end up so busy just standing there, handing the treats out to the dogs, hoping Tom's gonna spend a hundred bucks that they never developed the KPR key performance indicator that says Tom's worth a hundred bucks. I need to get 10 Toms. To come in because that gets me to the thousand.
1: I do that ten times. There's my ten gram. I hit my target. But what they don't ask the new, the a lot of the owners is, or how do I get Tom back ten times? Or how right. do I get to, how do I get Tom to refer his friends? How do I get Tom to spend one hundred and fifty dollars? How do I get that? Am I charging enough profitability? So I sold him hundred dollars. But what was my real profitability and would he spent $110 on it? So all those related questions are the ones that are not asked. They do say, I, you know, I, I, I think you're right. They'll go, okay, I need 10 toms, but, you know, so I'll mark it. Well, how?
0: Well, that, and, so that's, wow, that's the classic. They got one of these up at the register and they're hoping that you're going to pick up that ballpoint pen that is tied to a string and taped to the counter at the register. You're going to be kind enough to give them an email address for an email account, you actually check, right? And that's yeah, well, the, uh, if, and,
1: All they'd have to do is give me a little bag of dog treats, you know, and look, here's a little bag of free dog treats, there's samples of everything we have, give me your email address, I'll give you a bag of dog treats. I'm right? Like, yeah. <laughs> i was like, yeah, I would, that, I would probably do that, yeah. <laughs>
0: and then they can reach de- back out to you and then they can say, hey, did you, you know, did you like the bag of treats? Which one was your favorite? Hey, that's wonderful. We have some in stock. I can set some aside. If you'd like to make the payment online, they'll be waiting for you to you can curbside pick up whatever you want. And that's leveraging technology. But I, I see a lot of small businesses. I I did this last year with a brick and mortar operation where they had been doing the pad at the register and they didn't have contact info for the customers. And we went in and leveraged technology, brought them into the 2000s, shifted how the customers completed transactions, improved the customer experience. We raised the average sale per customer a few dollars. And then now we have a mineable database. Everybody that buys, we've got their contact info and they're happy to give it to us.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, one of the new raging businesses in in this Asheville area too. It's it's quite a startup community. There's you know quite a few people here, and it's uh, there's money from the universities and stuff. There's it's it's one of those areas where you see it's kind of a trendy area. But one of the things here is wine bars. So somebody will open a, a small wine bar, good beer because of the, all the craft beer here, and a limited menu but good food and so of course I'm sitting in one of these, and um, you know, sharing a bottle of wine. My wife and I were sitting there, and, and the manager comes up. And she goes, "Oh, thank you." She goes, "Have you been in before?" And I go, "No," and I said, "I'd like your place." I said, "You know, good service. Thank you." And she goes, "And she goes, 'You want you, you want a free dessert?'" And I go, "I'm li- I'm going, yeah, but maybe because I'm laughing. <laughs> I know what's coming." She goes, it, it, "If you get on the mailing list right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy you dessert." And so I'm, I'm, yeah, sure. So I'm going along with this and I appreciate, you know, that's, that was really cool. And I watched a few other people and she's worked the room and she met somebody new. Are you on the mailing list yet? And all of a sudden, a few desserts are had here and there. And uh, so next day, I get not a, a pitch, I got a really nice thank you. You know, we know there's a lot of new business in the area. You supported ours. Thank you. We really appreciate that. So I've attached a coupon for the next time you come in that any bottle of wine you want is 50% off, thank you. And I'm like, okay, this is really cool. Uh, But all of a sudden I'm in, Uh, I'm I'm in. And I'm a loyal customer of the place because if I, one, I was validated for spending my money, two, uh, I was rewarded for my behavior of supporting their business. Uh, got us back in, went in, you know, of course, then I ordered the dessert, which is huge profitability. You know, that's the $3 iced tea, you know, that cost them 22 cents. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing at the business plan. I'm going, this is brilliant. So every, I get a couple of that, but they're all personalized. They feel whoever's writing them. It's like they write them just for me. And, and it's, so I'm looking at this business. I'm going from going to just a wine bar. And I hope the hell somebody comes in, to a small business person having that plan of looking at the client, what is the long-term value of the client? How do I get the repeat business of the client? What tools do I have that are economical to start to build loyalty with that client? That's a, what a beautiful skill set. And again, back to our original point we talked here, You not, owners can't know all that. It's almost impossible to know all those things. And um, and eventually, I ended up messing with her business a little because she, you know, she made the fatal question like, "What do you do?" <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, no, I, f- I fix broken businesses, and she goes, well, "What's broken in here?" And I go, uh, "Your wine menu." I said, "Most of it's on the phone, but you've got a very interesting and complicated list, and you want me to pull it up on your phone with a with a code and with a QR code." And I'm like, "No," I said, "That's ridiculous." You know, if you don't, you want to say paper, be very Asheville hippie trendy put the damn thing on a chalkboard, but don't make me go to my phone because you're taking me out of your restaurant into the phone instead of the ambiance of the place. So that got me a free bottle of wine. And the next time we came in, there was the big wine menu really done. Some Somebody artsied up and all this. I'm like, good. Now I'm even more loyal because <laughs>
0: <laughs> they did what I said.
1: Yeah, and uh, so I got a probably there cost twenty dollar wine for what be it would be like a five hundred dollar an hour consulting call, but uh, I got I'm in you know I followed, but so the willing to reinvent yourself, the willing to evolve your business, and that's where a lot of owners get in small retailers. They get in, they go, it's it's not working, but I'm sticking to the plan instead of saying no, the plan's wrong. I need to evolve, and often that's when you need a second you know set of eyes to go. Okay, the plan's wrong you know what's it 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 it's not working the dream the dream needs to be tweaked and telling people that hey this is a you know everything you've been saving for for the last three years is off by about 20 degrees um then they just they can't they can't see it they they're so emotional so another lesson if there was another second most important thing in business it would come down to uh it's a business not a baby you, you got to get into, you got to get past the emotional aspects and realize this is simply a concept that could be manipulated with different outcomes. But we get so emotional in starting this business that we can't understand and let go of that emotion to understand that this this business is just a business. It's not you. It can reflect your personality, but it needs to evolve as you've done. It needs to grow as you did as a child into an older person, it, it, it has the attributes of a person, but it's still just a business that, that needs to evolve or it dies. It's a hard and that's best. where that, I think that's where the, the coach or the business mentor
0: comes in because sometimes that business can be on track yet not successful. And they're like you said, they're a few degrees off in that extra set of eyes that's not emotionally attached to the business can connect the two dots and say, look, you're here. It's close. You got to move over here. Here's how you connect them. And then suddenly, you know, they five X their revenue just by doing something very similar to what they were doing. But when they have that coach or that mentor step in and say, listen, you're emotionally attached, you're stuck in, in doing it this way, what you're trying to do. Yes. Is right. But this way needs to just, just adjust it a little bit. Here's how, and
1: then they take off. Yeah, that's a, it's it's a tough skill set. I, I have people put in in their markets, it's like you know, find a you know, personal trainer near me, find a business consultant near me, you know, all that type of stuff. And they you put it in, and it's really in many markets they take you to some big accounting firm or some firm that wants twenty thousand dollar deposit. You know, and you're you're a, a small individual retail person, or you just put all your money in a wine bar, or you got a startup brewery, you know, to hire some, you know, top five consulting company in the United States with a $20,000 to $50,000 retainer probably isn't going to happen. So they but to to find people that you trust and to, to work with them where somebody coaches you up, you know, the real term in there and what it's kind of a weird thing. I, I don't know how we got down this path, but I think it's a good one is when you're really using a business mentor, you know, a business coach, what you're really looking for is accountability. You know, yes. here's the, th- here's the things where, look, here's what I see, you know, from 40 years of experience, here's the things I think you should do. Uh, here's how to do them. If you don't know how, and here's what it looks like when it's done. So a good coach will tell you what to do, how to do it. But most importantly, they'll tell you what the model is when it's completed. And then next week, you know, if you work with the guy and it's weird, I have clients when I start with them, I work with maybe once a week for six months. And then after that, I might talk to them once a year. You know, they it's getting through that initial phase. But what I find they need is really guidance. That's it. But also underneath that, it took me a long time to learn is they really want accountability. They want somebody to yell at them. They want somebody to say, did you get it done? Or knowing that they're going to call me next week, it motivates them to get done. And also, I think the bigger picture, it focuses them on the right things to do, because being busy is busy. Being effective is being able to prioritize what is going to make you money versus cleaning the toilet. Cleaning the toilet has to be done in your little restaurant, of course it does. but. Sooner or later in there, I got to go reach out to 10 Toms at the wine store, send the guy the coupon and generate money for tomorrow so I can keep the toilet and not give it back to the landlord. That's I, I, I was working with a client one
0: time probably like 15 years ago. And I had said he had, he had asked what I, what I was doing that evening or whatever. And I, I had mentioned uh, taking care of my lawn. And he looked at me and he goes, What? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna mow my lawn. And he's like, What are you doing that for? I'm like, because it's long. He's like, Why don't you have someone that does that? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, How much do I pay you an hour? And then I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. I probably shouldn't be mowing my lawn. And <laughs> that in, in a lot of businesses, granted that you know, my lawn wasn't my business, but that being said, a lot of times business owners are and I was very guilty of this as well you know i I had at any given time 12 14 employees in our brick and mortar and as many as four interns on some summer times and there were things i just shouldn't be doing because there were other people that could and then there were many things as the business owner i was the only one that could do and the, the only one that can do items drive the bottom line and that goes back to busy versus productive And in business, you need to be productively generating revenue and improving your profitability. It's business.
1: The goal is to make more money. Yeah, and it's uh, there's a funny term for that called building bookcases. Um, I just uh, weirdly part of this is I've gotten um, you know stable of clients through the years. I have a lot of guys that want to write books, and so I help them kind of guide them through their book processes. And but the term is building bookcases. And I'm like, okay, here's your assignment. Going to finish this book in 10 weeks, you're going to write five pages to 10 pages a day, you're going to do it in your underwear, drinking tea at four in the morning before the kids get up, you know, this is, we're going to make time for this. And then they call and it's in there. And I, they, I laugh because you're building bookcases, that you're building a bookcase, meaning you're so busy thinking like a writer reading about writing, you're so busy, you know, trying to edit something or reading something else you shouldn't do that you're doing every So you're building bookcase. I mean, you're building a bookcase for a book you haven't written yet. And it's like, you know, write the damn book. We'll figure out where to put it later. So that means, you know, just write, just simply write one business. is the same thing. Simply do the business. Yes. I have to clean the toilet. And that's probably going to happen at uh, 10 o'clock tonight after I close the business or it's going to happen. But when I equate being busy with efficiency is when I, when I lose it. But again, back to the big theme is it's just people don't know what they don't know, but we expect them because they're in business to know everything. Or worse yet, we just have our accountant run our business and, uh, or our attorney, because they're people we trust, they're models. But again, a uh, you can't you can't live without an accountant in business, but accountants have no re- business running your business. They, they run, they're accountants. They record other people's dust as you fly down the track in your race car. You know, they're there to record your dust, not to tell you how to run the business. But a lot of times guys default because they don't know what to do. So they ask the wrong people on how to save it. And you need somebody that's had their ass kicked. You need somebody that's been in business, that's coached them up. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to save your business, you need somebody that's been there, done that, and knows how to save a business.
0: And 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 that too is there's a there's a time and place where if if you're making five hundred dollars an hour, it, it probably doesn't make sense if you're the only one in the organization that can do that, assuming you have staff and employees to be cleaning the toilet. Now, as the owner, it's your ship, and if the toilet needs to be cleaned, it's, it's gotta get done. But That's okay to delegate, but I've seen exactly what you're describing. Owners kind of turn over operations to the accountant or somebody else that, sure, they they run an accounting firm and they understand how to run an accounting business, but they know nothing about the nuances of that person's small business. I mean, the, the person that knows the business hopefully is the business owner. And there's some things you just can't delegate. Yes, there's some you're not going to know everything and yes, there's areas that you need to delegate, but you definitely don't want to delegate operations to somebody that is is a, a bookmaker. You know, they they they've got a ledger and they've got income and expenses and and they're good at tracking that, but they may not know how to run your business. And I've seen that with uh, businesses and and I had that happened. We looked at hiring a marketing company and I gave them about 30 days worth of, of work. And at the end of 30 days, I said, you guys don't understand our business at all. Like your your copy makes no sense because you don't understand the industry, Uh, where you're suggesting or where you bought ads doesn't work for our customers because you don't understand the demographics of our customer. And that, that very clearly was something that we had to keep in-house. That was a not, yes, we can delegate, here's the ad copy, don't mess with it, do the graphic art for the image that pairs with it. That made sense. But we couldn't give them here, make the ad because they didn't understand the business.
1: Yeah, that's a, that brings up a, a, a very interesting second part of that is there. Um, I have a friend and he uh, we do some business projects together once in a while. He was the... Uh, Vice President of Marketing for a $500 million a year company. He left and became the VP of Marketing for a about a $230 million a year company. And then he just kind of went out to do his own thing. And he called me and, uh, and I hear people in the background kind of yelling and stuff. I said, where the hell are you? And he says, I'm in a marketing seminar in San Diego. And I go, why? And he goes, it's some young social influencer talking about the power of Instagram and YouTube and it's a whole conference. Uh, and he goes, "I'm," I, he was fifty two at the time. He says, <laughs> "I am by far double the age of everybody in this room." And he, but here's a picture of him, the selfie sitting in the front row, you know, with all these. And he goes, "It's, it's, I, I, it's the future of marketing is how to, to tap this potential." So he was in a three day workshop with on um, all this stuff, and he says, "I, I know the tools," he says, but it's their thought process on how to use those tools. So back to your point is when an owner looks at those things, they they have to absorb enough information that they can guide their own outcome instead of defaulting to somebody. So the best clients I've ever had is, okay, you know, they'll ask, okay, here's what, you know, here's what I see in your business, do this, do this, here's what it models out, here's what it's going to look, and they go, okay, okay, so teach me. And it's like, okay, so what do I need to know to be able to see that in my own business? I'm going read this book, go to this workshop, think about this, you know, keep a journal, and we talk because the best people they want to gather that information so they can ask better questions later. So they they'll they'll do this. My my friend, I next time he's consulting for a big group and somebody meets in social influencer. And guy just got three day of education. Is he going to be able to a master social influencer? I guarantee you this. He's the brightest guy in any room he's going to be in for a long time on social influencers because he spent the time and he stalked him at the cocktail parties. And, you know, he just jumped in at some lunch and just he was I mean, he's that type of guy that he's just he's in the group. He's going to learn. He, he, not to master it, but to guide his education toward being able to see that part of the business as somebody who has enough knowledge to say, what do I need to do here? How do I do it? Who do I hire? Because he has enough information now to ask the right questions.
0: And that, and, and I think it's imperative that you have the ability to make an educated decision on when you delegate or outsource service. Like we had bought another time, we bought a landing page and at the time, it was it was stupid money—twelve uh, or fifteen hundred dollars for a one-page landing page—and it sucked. And the onus was on me because I didn't write the copy, and I didn't—I just trusted they knew what they were doing. They being the company that created the landing page—and it was horrific. I mean, we ran it for a few days, and then I, I took it down, and I, I just wrote an entirely new one which I had the ability to do, but and it, the, the copy made sense for our market, our demographics of our customer and, and all of those things. But if you don't have enough education, you'll spend the money. And if I didn't know better, I would have just kept running that landing page that didn't pull and didn't generate leads
1: and didn't bring in business. Yeah, yeah. The, the next phase, you're taking me down another path here. The, the next phase, I, I think when, if I can get that guy to get to that point and we have some parameters we're chasing in business and the guy's seeing the business, he's seeing it. And all of a sudden it starts to make some money. And then the, at that point is that's when the owner almost, that's the second phase where you kind of lose control of that business. And there becomes a certain point where you just go, um, I, I, I'm, I'm there. And now I, I, I don't need to change. Everything I'm doing is perfect. Nobody challenged what I'm doing. Um, I was in a business and had some folks with me and uh, buying dinner for a group of maybe eight people. And, and uh, it was a nice restaurant. It was a local, but a really nice one in the town we were doing the workshop in. And so at the end of the dinner, I laid my American Express card out. And the guy goes, we don't take American Express And I go, man, you know, it's 2020, you know, 2019, don't you? And the guy looks at me and I go, no, manager. So take me to the manager. I didn't want to have that discussion at my table. So I went over and stalked the manager. I said, man, really? This is a business thing. He says, well, we're all family restaurant. And he says, you know, and they charge so much more. And I go, they charge $2 per hundred. You know, I just spent $900. Here, put extra $20. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Put an extra $20 on the bill. If that's your your thing, you know, just put an extra twenty bucks on there and take my damn card because I knew he could take it, and he took it. And, and the guy charged me an extra twenty dollars processing fee to be able to take that card because he was worried about the two bucks. And uh, and I went to the workshop the next day and I said, "Look, there's a restaurant. I'm telling everybody in the room really never set <laughs> foot in that restaurant." Right. I was so pissed, you know you lose I, control I, of I your business say, because you do you're not willing to see your business as other people see it. We see it as we we visualize our business often as perfect, but we don't see it and we don't or we're not willing to sacrifice our ego to see it as the consumer sees it. How does the consumer see what I do? How do they visualize me professionally? How do they visualize my follow up? How do they visualize the service of my team? it's a restaurant you know what was the ex- not the beer in the brewery how do they experience the beer what was the experience wrapped around the beer and people don't ask those questions they like okay i made a product I'm, I'm from the front down they don't sit there and look at the client and go oh my god you know this is this is a horrible experience it's good beer delivered in a very bad environment because they never see their businesses and the weaknesses as other people. Another reason a consultant can help you is see it as the consumer sees it, not just, you know, you and I both know from so many years is when the business is in the middle, you're pounding it from the top as a consultant, but then you gotta gotta come down here as a good consultant and and say, look, here's how I experience your business. Maybe we need to work on this menu on the phone, like the, the wine store, you know, type of thing like that maybe we do need to take that piece of paper off the desk and give them a little treat to get that email. Maybe there's things like that. So you, you have to, you have to look at your business. That's why it's so hard in small business because you have to run it from here, but you have to see it from the consumer and then be willing to adjust that all the time. And again, it's ego. The ego stops you from reacting to what the consumer wants or needs today. We,
0: we, we, we participated in a meeting with a couple of doctors in that, Was I was brought in to provide some consulting and I said, well, one of the first things that you as doctors, as allied health professionals, and we we can go from the person answering the telephone at the reception desk that does the billing, like you have to step out of the medical professional side and you have to step into the side of your customer, which is a patient. And it, it, if you've ever been to the doctor yourself, you need to think of things as the patient, not the doctor, because patients don't patients don't know what you know, or they would be a doctor and you would be unnecessary. Like you have to be able to step back, step away, and exactly what you said, see it from the perspective of the customer, the consumer, or in this case, the patient, because you're, you're missing the boat, even with... For those that don't know, I owned a brick and mortar health club for over a dozen years. And I would constantly have conversations with my coaches and trainers that went like this, remember our customers are here because they believe we're the experts. And as such, they are not the expert, which means what we know, they don't know. And we have to be really careful not to fall into the trap of thinking they know everything we know. They don't, they don't. and. We need to approach our operations from the perspective of what does it, what, you know, how does the customer see it and deliver the experience to improve what they see. And, and they don't know what we know. They're not the experts. And if they knew everything about fitness and training, they wouldn't be paying us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's hard. It's, it's almost like we're discouraging people about on small business, but small business is a really, it's one of those things where it kind of gets in your soul. It's really a, a val- validation of what you can be and what you can do. And a lot of people, it's not for everybody, but the people that really embrace it, they just become so involved in the process of it. And it's it's a wonderful way to, You know, spend part of your life and some people do make crazy money at it. Um, My wife had a chain of women's only large training facilities. They were 14,000 feet and these were in New England. And at one time it was uh, probably the most successful chain of women's clubs in New England for what it did. But she lived the brand. She was there, but she spent so much time on what the consumer experienced and what the consumer felt in the business and how the consumer and the visiting other business coming back because it's that constant evolution that keeps you out in the head. So, and people look at small business. They go, you know, why do people fail in small business? You know, what's, you know, what's what's some of the reasons? You know, why do people fail in small business? Mm-hmm they I give you a whole list the, the concept isn't there they don't they don't know exactly what the product is going to be they don't know exactly what they are trying to sell so what's the product of a wine bar well it's wine or is it you know is your product the service the experience of the wine and so they they're not even clear of the concept many of them are underfunded they they think I'm going to open up and be profitable the first couple of months and you know the small business administration it's old data but they they say you usually should have reserve capital to get you through at least the first year and sometime the old data says through the second year it takes a long time to grow a business most guys don't have the capital to grow a business most people don't understand the various parts of the business what it takes to to market to secure new business to develop and grow businesses they there's, they, they don't have enough marketing um, experience to be able to understand that that's gonna be the key leverage point for almost every business is how do I get, I've got a great concept, how do I share that with the And all the rules have changed on that in the last five years. So people get into small business, there's just a litany of things that you can do to kill yourself, you know, to really to make this business ineffective, but there's also a whole course of uh, properly prepared businesses can be very profitable. I'm that little dog place. You know, i got to know that owner. And it's like, this is goofy. She's got, she in the back, she, you know, grooms them and all this stuff. It's a great little boutique store. Um, I visited another one in another town in North Carolina. You just drive out to these strange little towns and they've got a great old downtown and great shops and wine bars and restaurants. And you could spend, you know, the rest of your life in Western North Carolina visiting these small places and Walked in, there was another dog store, and I'm like a sucker for these. And I and uh, I, I I walked in. I like this is really a, a cool concept. And these people, you know, they came around the counter and played with the dog, wanted to hold the dog, they're gonna walk around with you. They showing you new stuff, they got in. Hey, come you gotta see this dude. This is so cool. Look what we just got. And I'm like, I'm so into this guy's energy that I'm I'm like, I'm there. I'm I'm with this person. They 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 showed me. Uh, You know, we think we make it hard, but if you Disney, for example, they get a they get a bad rap. You know, they it's like Disney, it's it's crowded, it's packed, it's all this. But Disney still is. There is magic in the Magic Kingdom. They still probably do customer service as well as anybody in the world, and probably better than most in the world. I was at a uh, again, most of the stories start this way, in a wine (laughs) really nice high end (laughs) restaurant on a Disney property. And uh, I, we're sitting there, and there's a you know four or five of us upstairs, and we're just up in this thing overlooking the, the village, and there's hundred, thousands of people walking through this place at Disney Springs in Florida. And I'm sitting on the upper deck and we're talking wine, and I'm talking to the waiter about the wine. I was like it was an amazing list. It was the guy's one of the 250 master uh, wine guys in the country that manages, he's the manager of this restaurant on the property. and So he and the guy comes out because I was asking a lot of questions. The guy goes, he says, you're the guy that's interested in the wine. I said, yeah. I said, oh, man, you do such a great job here. And I love the list. And I said, you know, your experience of your staff is wonderful. He said, come on, come with me. And so I get up. So he takes me back, back into the wine storage rooms. You know, we're back there. He's he's back to where the prep stuff is. He's got it back to, you know, in his office and he's got this really great wine little tasting area in his office so my friends are like what the hell happened to tom and i'm, I'm sitting in the office drinking a glass of wine with this <laughs> wild wine guy you know on a disney property and he goes so i left and i said thank you and he says yeah it's just part of what we do here he says we you know you know you you have an interest and you appreciate what we do thank you and then of course he walks us to the front door shakes everybody hand and i'm like man who does this you know, Disney. Disney does it on a property. He knew he created the experience of the business. He created the structure of the business, the quality of the business. The staff was brilliantly trained. The total experience, the wrap around the client. That's what I wish more, more. Any, no matter what you own, what is the experience of doing business with you? And that's another one of those. Tips, right? We could do a whole hour on that. Just that's- what is the experience of doing business with you from even the first I see an ad what's the experience of the ad it's the ad make how does the ad make me feel does it make me want to do business does it answer questions does it trigger boy I really like to hang out with that guy do business with them what's the experience of first time when you call me how you know what's how did you greet me on the phone that's part of the experience I walk into your business that dumbass counter kid that's behind there because your son needs a job and he's horrible and he's Behind the counter, what's my experience of your employee that day? How's the place feel? How's the music? How's the energy? You know, we, we think about that. It's business is hard, but it's not that hard. Start with the experience of doing business with you. If the experience is good, people will probably come back and probably enjoy doing business with you. So we have a, we have a client and a past client. He,
0: he has run for the last couple of decades, big box home improvement stores. Um, and he's run every big brand in North America. And three times he's taken in the last, say, eight years uh, underperforming big box, so 100,000 square foot, tens of millions a year in annual revenue from worst in the area for that brand to top three. And well, two out of three times he took it to number one. And, and his process is super simple. One of the things he describes is he, he says, Listen, man, he goes, I run a home improvement store and what we're selling really isn't sexy. It's not glamorous. It's not exciting. It's lumber, it's power tools, it's fasteners and nails and paint and, you know, drywall. It's, it's kind of boring. He goes, but my goal is to get you to walk out to your car, sit down, grab the steering wheel and say, wow. I don't know what just happened, but that was awesome. He goes, it all starts there. And kind of to your point, then we work backwards. He goes, but if I can send somebody out of our store, having just bought some paint, some sandpaper, some drywall patching materials so they can redo the kid's bedroom. And if they walk out and they have that experience, they're coming back and they're yeah. not going to go to my competitors. He goes, that's, our, our whole focus, and I get my whole team to buy in, is we want to provide that wow experience. And, and that's in Tom, when, when you look at that, so many businesses that we talk to, they want to look at how do I get more customers? How do I get more leads? And, and really, there's an opportunity to just take care of the people that already do business with you. The story you just shared about Disney. Disney can't buy that level of marketing. They gave you a good experience and everybody in your dinner prob- party has probably shared that story. You're not going to believe this. Tom's into wine. Everybody knows that. Well, Tom gets the wine guy running the joint, taking him in back. Do you believe Disney would do this? I mean, there, there's so much upside and opportunity to just take, invest in taking care of your existing customers and probably more so than chasing more leads.
1: It's a small example. Um, I was in a Gold's Gym in New Jersey, and uh, I'm hanging up front. I was there for the day visiting the guy and doing some work. This was years ago, but uh, I'm standing up at the front counter and drinking a shake, and there's just this flash New Jersey downpour, just that summer pounding rain. It just came out of nowhere and just pounded. And this this woman standing there looking. She had you know used the locker room, and she was kind of dressed to go back to work. And uh, she's just looking out the window. It's like you can see she's frustrated. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is not. I got to get back to work. And she's and this kid behind the counter. Nobody prompted him. Just he he runs up to her. He says he looks. He says, I got this into her. And he runs back and he goes in the 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 junk room, storeroom. Comes out with somebody. Beat up old golf umbrella that was in lost and found. Runs out, steps out into the rain, puts up the umbrella, grabs her, walks her to the car, makes sure she gets in there. And you, the look on her face was, and just was that, oh my god, you know that was so cool. And it's, so he comes back in, he just, you know, puts the umbrella away, and he's back at the counter, and I'm, you know, my like, who taught him that? You know, somebody, you know, parents, but. You know the owner of that business this is you that he just made a client for life out of her you'd have to really screw up your business plan no, another weird story man i got to go in with another weird story it just triggered one i'm in a club in louisiana big old mass massive old health club thing you know it's like 60 70, square feet and i'm sitting up at the front counter talking to the owner we're watching people checking it out we're trying to look at the check-in procedures and the, the, the maintenance kid walks up and he was, you know, just a maintenance guy, guys, you know, been around, but he's just that hardworking guy in the gym, but he's been a maintenance guy his whole life. You know, clean, clean the toilets, you know, mop the floors, that type of guy. He walks up and he's got this uh, Rolex presidential ladies watch, you know, probably back in that day, $25,0, dollars watch. And he goes to the owner. He says, hey, Mike, I found this in the floor. He says, you might want to lock this up. I think this is really valuable. <laughs> I'm looking at this guy. <laughs> going, Man, that's your salary, dude, for a year. You know, why? Did, you know, and uh, all of a sudden it wasn't, you know, too much longer. And you know, you know who's going to run in the door. And she just pops yeah. in the door. And she goes, my God, my watch. You know, and she, she runs just right onto the floor because she knows where she left it. And so my guy runs over and gets her and says, no, no, it's, uh, you know, you know, Joey turns it in, and I'm looking at it, Joey going, "Man, I mean, uh, it's somebody that's broke, that's got a menial labor job, that just you better take this, Mike. I know it's expensive. You know, he knew what the he knew what he had. You now that's a year's salary maybe for him back in the day to be able right. to, yeah, to do that. And but again, service, legendary touch." But you can manage that. You can manage that experience by the right person, by telling a story like that to the rest of the staff. By, you know, the kid with the umbrella should be celebrated because he he did the business from the from the the, the customer's viewpoint. I, I can't say it enough, man, but if I if you're starting with your business, what's the experience of doing business with you, even down to the detail stuff? You, it, it's gotta get down to even that level where you know, how how cool are your iced tea glasses in a restaurant? How cold is the beer? You know, what's the atmosphere when I'm sitting there chasing this beer that you've spent five years and all your family's money to create a little brewery? And now you do it because now it's a crap show because you don't think about the experience of delivering the beer to me as a consumer? Man, we just... It's just not that hard sometimes. What's the experience of your business? And what are there? And what are you really selling,
0: right? So that so 20 years ago I'm a young sales executive and I sold to Polaris. So the the watercraft, the four-wheeler, the then they had just launched the Victory Motorcycle brand. And I'm sitting in a, a large meeting. And the CEO of Polaris, I believe his name was Tom Tiller. He was at the time celebrated for being one of the youngest CEOs of an organization that size. He comes out and he says, You know, here's what Polaris sells we sell an escape. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, No, I, I sell you the compound that my company molds into the hull for the bottom of the three person personal watercraft jet ski. And this guy comes out fully completely understands what his customers are buying. And he says it, we sell an escape. And that's it. They don't sell motorcycles or four wheelers or watercraft. They sell an escape. And that's the the, the brewmaster understanding. Look, man, you're, you're not putting a pint in your customer's hands. Yes. That's part of it, but they're here for the experience that includes the craft, includes the craft brew and includes is the the pint glass frosted you know what are they sitting on what is the is there music playing is it too loud yeah all of that stuff and in the business owners you know when one of the youngest ceos of an organization that size comes out and says that the business owners that are successful they get it and they understand they're selling the experience and that's to be capitalized on that umbrella example is huge. Like that lady, her, her concern was: I'm in my work clothes. I got to get back to work at a certain time, and it's downpouring, and I don't want to get soaked. And I, I yet I still have to get back to work. Well, well, that kid was a solved her problem, and like you said, made a long term employee. But it's it's understanding what you know from the customer perspective. What experience do they really
1: want and need? Yeah, that's that's. I don't understand in many ways why that's so rare. Um, you've been out with me on the road sometimes and, you know, my affinity for Capital Grills because of the consistency and I travel so much that, you know, they just, it's like that home away from home when I'm on the road. <laughs>
0: you probably can't read this,
1: but this is a business card for a waiter
0: at Capitol Grill, downtown Chicago. And I asked for it because I said, Paul, you are one of
1: the best wait staff I've ever had yeah right off Michigan Ave. the one right down yes. I know yeah yeah that's one of my favorites uh, I was in one in uh Providence. They moved the original one was there, and I was in the uh, newer one, and we were there with a bunch of folks and the guy comes the guy comes up and uh, the waiter hits us, and then the manager walks over and just introduces himself, working the tables, which I thought was pretty impressive and he goes. He goes, have you folks been in, in, here at Capital Grills before? I'm, I'm laughing. I go, this is my 17 <laughs> different one this year. And uh, he says, I, I said, in fact, I've been in this one probably five or six times this year. But I've been in 17 different Capital Grills. And he goes, so he's laughing. He says, well, tell me the story. And I said, uh, it's anytime I take guests out, I, I know my guests are going to walk out of there smiling. I go to St. Louis. I take my brother and my and my family out there, and I I take him to St. to Capital Grill because I know he's going to be impressed. He's going to love the experience. He's not that type of guy that will spend that money on himself, but when he goes, he just gets it. You know, he just he loves it. It's a consistent experience. But how do you do that across the board? And somebody in there is starting with the, with that the, again. I'm going to say it too many times in this talk, but what's the experience? of your business and I was talking to that manager and he was just laughing because I'm I'm talking to all the ones I've been in and he goes I've only been to like 10 you know (laughs) so I've been the guy running this I've been in more than he's been in and it's just and, and I said I was in the old one down you know your original one and he was like, I never even was in that one. And I so we were, I was telling old stories about that restaurant. And he ended up, you know, just he was very pleasant and stuff. And again, we had eight or nine people gonna spend a whole lot of money. It was a business meeting, and um uh, we had a couple of other guys that were kind of uh vendors that were picking up a you know the bill, and it was but the bill was gonna be really substantial guy walks over later you know just says we're breaking up he goes he goes you know i I," he says i see your party's breaking up he says i i know you're here with some you know you know just your friend here he says if you guys want to stay and linger a little at the bar he says let me buy you a bottle of wine and so we said goodbye to everybody and me and the person i was traveling with we walked up and sat at the bar and had a bottle of wine and Guy came over behind the bar and was just talking and stuff. He says, Thank you. He says, Thanks for the support. Bring your people in again this time. I'm like, You know, we spent probably four grand there, but, you know, so he gave us $100 a hundred dollar bottle of wine. It probably cost him 40 bucks. But here I am telling the story three years later because I'm so loyal to the brand because I've never had a bad experience in the place because they control the experience of their business. It's not the food. That's what everybody gets caught up in. I, I make a good beer. Therefore, everybody's going to come me. No, it's not the beer. It's not the food at the Capitol Grill. There's a lot of good steakhouses, especially in Chicago, especially in markets like that. But it's the experience wrapped around the food. Even in an accounting firm, it's not the accounting that sets you apart. It's the experience of doing business with you in that counting. How fast you return my calls. How polite is your person when they answer the phone? How do they they, you know, how hard is it to get to you when I need help? There's a hundred things that when a business is failing, always go back to this. How does the consumer experience me? How does the consumer see me? How easy or hard is it to do business with me? And what am I really selling? You're not selling the beer. You're not selling the steak. You're selling the experience wrapped around those. And, hard lessons. I wish more people would think of that.
0: And it's, and it's huge. And it's I mean, it's a big enough deal that I've, I asked for that guy's card. And we've been there four times since I got his card. So four times since April. And it was all because of the over the topics, I'm, I'm sorry, March of this year, all because of the over the top experience that that one individual made happen. And, you know, in your case, kind of drive the point home of understanding what your customers want. Tom understands what he's going to get at Capital Grill. So Tom's willing to bring business associates there because he you know what you're going to be able to give them which is the wow and if they're people doing business with you you better deliver the wow and you already know capital grill is going to come through and allow you to deliver the wow so you're their customer because of the wow and then you are in turn delivering the wow to your customers and yeah the 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 steak the uh tuna tartar appetizer that that might play a role but at the end of the day it's how everything's put together for the experience And every business under the Sun has that I, so I talked to a, a business owner yesterday. They do let's say 8, 10 million a year in annual revenue, 50 or 60 employees. So decent size um, business and, and they had said you have to, you you need to not compromise on what you the experience you deliver your customers or they're not going to come back. You you have to be able to put that out there and you have to do it consistently. Now
1: that's it's it's amazing how many businesses think they're immune to that that their business is beyond it. Car dealerships drive me crazy because the experience of buying a car I'd rather have two root canals and a lobotomy. And uh, a hernia replacement all at the same time versus buying a typical car. Yet I bought a, one a um, couple years ago, and going on, no, about a year and a half ago now. I bought it in the pandemic, so 2020. But I'm buying this thing and I bought it in Cocoa Beach. And um, the, the experience of this was how I was greeted, the follow up. I'd have the same type of vehicle and was going back. The person that serviced my truck was you know, I'm looking up, there's you know, three or four people checking them all in. Yeah, they're a big dealership and they were busy. So I got my, one time I got my car service there and I was driving. I wasn't even home. I was driving home. She goes, how's it running? Called me. How's it running? And I go really well. She goes, just wanted to check on you. She goes, you know, I, I know we did this and this your car. She goes, I want to make sure that if it's, you know, it's running there. Good. If you any questions, you know, you can just call me. I'll take care of it. I'm like, well, that's cool, and so of course I needed a new truck. Went back, and went, to, and then so she, I went. I was telling her, I'm, so I'm going to get a, a trade. So she goes, let me walk you over. Walk me over, introduced me to the sales manager. Sales manager took care of me. Uh, ended up with him drinking a bottle of wine in his office because we we had such a, you know so much in common we were laughing two guys of a certain age and we were laughing about stuff and I he was a real wine freak so I bought him a bottle and we ended up drinking in his office and but he's telling me all about the car dealership business and stuff and but here's a here's a company that an industry that has such a bad reputation that transcended so they most car dealerships think okay the car speaks for the business but it's it's they don't understand that it's such a miserable experience to buy the car um, how bad did i have to take a beating to drink this really good beer in this brewery you know how, even, how hard yeah it's just it, i i'm i'm being redundant with it but i just keep going back to you know if, if i look at if i look from outside as an owner which is hard because the emotional ability of it and look within it again you said it very well a minute ago is i don't understand the product You know, it's, again, it's not the car experience of buying it, not the the, the beer in the brewery. It's the whole experience of wrapped around it, not the steak, but the waiter that you're willing to fight for to get the guy to come and service you because he just adds so much to the experience of an already good restaurant. It's incredible when you think about it.
0: And what I think is most interesting for the small business owners out there, the entrepreneurs, there's so much upside. If you're in a mature industry where everybody in the industry, all of your competitors are delivering that same shitty experience. If you, if if you're the one that stands out and starts to put the customer experience first, you're going to win. And it doesn't matter that everyone else in your industry isn't doing that way. It that way. That's there's huge competitive upside to being that one trailblazer.
1: Yeah. There's a, I mean, the stories could go on and on. I've had so many horrible, horrible customer experiences traveling 30 weeks a year. But um, just there's a common theme in the ones that save you. Um, I I was on a Delta flight going to the uh, East Coast, West Coast, flying into um, Orange County. And the flight attendant was passing a glass of wine to the guy next to me, dropped it. And I'm sitting there with my <laughs> ankles crossed and filled both shoes and just grounded me with a full glass of red wine, of course. And so I'm sitting there going, Oh, these are, you know, these shoes are gone.
0: <laughs> gone. So she's up.
1: Uh, yeah. She's, uh, you know, just, and I'm just like, okay, you know, you know, Delta's takes such good care of me. I am like, okay, I can get past that. So uh, I've been up trying to, you know, it's fine. I've been up since like three the airport to get to the first flight because I want to get out there early and just it was just one of those things where by the time I got off the plane plane I smelled like wine you know I'm just I take my shoes throw them in the garbage walk into Johnson and Murphy in LA and buy a I had to buy shoes before I left the airport and new socks it was just horrible I get to the hotel I'm just mangled I I am beaten and uh, I walk up to just the door open, there's a guy standing right inside the door in a coat and tie. And he goes, Mr. Plummer, welcome. He says, how's your day, sir? And I go, "One." (laughs) he knew my name because um, I think they have recognition software, but they they knew me as I walked in, Um, kind of a, not a boutique place, but it was a high-end hotel. And uh, I said, not good. I said, one of those days, I'm just laughing. He says, we can fix this. And so he walks me over. They didn't. you know, those big giant check-ins you normally see, they had little kiosks, and they had somebody behind a kiosk, so they were accessible. They it's not like you're standing, leaning. Offers like, them. Oh yeah, it's and she goes, <laughs> she looks at me. and I'm mangled, and she goes, "Sir, can 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 we say that you're just not having the best day?" And I go, <laughs> so I, just, so "I was talking about the line of my shoes." I say, "You like my new shoes because I just you know I'm like." <laughs> really nice shoes were just they're in a dumpster at the la airport and we're laughing and stuff she goes we're going to make it better and she she goes and calls the bellman take his stuff up to this room she walks me over reaches in hits the button comes up and she goes oh by the way she goes like this she hands me a, a certificate she goes dinner's on us tonight just stop by the restaurant you know we'll take care of anything you want she goes we're going to make this day better So I get up to the room. I'm there about five minutes, knock on the door. Uh, The guy in the coat and tie comes up and he says, I I just wanted to check on you. I was like, it's all good." good. And so, I mean, but this is a pretty decent sized hotel. But look at the level of service versus trying to check into a damn Marriott. And where they, you just, you take the beating. It's somebody thought about how the customer needs to interact with that and built the business around that concept. Do they rent rooms? Yeah, they do. Is that their product? No. The, the product is we're really going to be the best part of your day every day in this hotel. That's their product. They, they truly want that client to feel so comfortable in that business. So I, I, I like this topic. We could go on with this forever, but it's, it's amazing go, when people get right – yeah. It's amazing when that's people get it right and how many people don't even think about it. That's that's the the, the weirdness in small businesses. Most people don't even enter, that never enters their head on what the consumer experiences with your business. It, ne- it never even touches their soul. And yet that's probably the most important place to start. It's it, in, yeah. Uh, in my Capital
0: Grill experience was phenomenal. And I'd asked for the card, but I've got the notes to do a compare and contrast because that same trip downtown Chicago, I stayed in a hotel and I won't mention the name. It's a high end hotel on the Mag Mile. And they said, you know, cause a, cause a COVID um, our kitchen's closed. The bar is closed. We got finger food, whatever. I'm like, great, whatever. So I get checked in. I want to get some finger food. So I call and I'm like, where's the menu? Like, oh, the menu's on the TV because of COVID. So I turn the TV on. I go to the menu channel. The menu channel says the menu's on the desk. So I go over to the desk and there's a little sticker that says menu's on the TV. (laughs) So here we go. So then I'm like, to hell with it. I, I call down. I get the front desk. I'm like, I want to order some food. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, the menu says... You guys said it's on TV. TV says it's on the desk. The desk says it's on TV. It's nowhere. So just finger food, what can I order? They're like, oh, well, we're all out of the finger food. That's okay. Well, can I uh, go? Okay, thank you. You know, it's <laughs> like, well, I, what? I, I get um, the kitchen's closed. I get the finger food, but you can't you can't tell people you have this and then you don't have it because you're out. And you certainly can't have this circular thing for the menu that doesn't exist,
1: but you can't, because they did they, because they're, they're like the car dealership where I'm, I'm in, I'm bulletproof because I'm, I'm on the miracle mile because I'm a brand name hotel. I therefore can get away with bad service. And yet that's, Proven over the years not to last because how many businesses do ultimately fail that have done that concept? A lot of good businesses, not even the last couple of years, fail because their customer service just didn't support the concept.